Chi Chat by Chi Chart. Chi Chat by Chi Chat. Hi, I'm producer Mel and I'm here today with Grant and Lisa and we welcome Courtney Jones back to the pod. She's here to share more of her experiences in the realm of intangible energies and how learning to be open to them can benefit everyone in every aspect of their lives. Courtney is also known as an undercover intuitive. She blends her intuition and spiritual connection with business development and leadership strategies. Her studies in metaphysical science, positive science, psychology, modern hypnosis and energy medicine have led her to understand that a deep connection with the inner knowing and intuitive process is the foundation for well-being and forms a basis for connecting with individuals and communities. With an accomplished career in the public sector, Courtney is also a master practitioner and trainer of modern hypnosis and a master practitioner of timeline therapy and neuro-linguistic programming. She's worked with hundreds of clients to help them understand their their role in the creation of their unique life experiences and to step fully into their truest selves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be back. Well, that's an intro. I know, and it's a beautiful bio, but we've had some such good off-mic chats and I'm just like, I hope we can all bring this to the podcast today. So let's try and continue with the energy. Yeah, we were talking before about money and the value of money and how it drives some of us how some of us are obsessed like every waking moment I know people and there is, and there are certain pillar types that I can say have more of an obsession with it then there are other people who just basically don't respect it they always expect that it's going to be there so Courtney and we'll talk more about your day pillar afterwards in my opinion I've noticed that yin fires really have a strong focus on the wealth element and the wealth element for a yin fire is actually metal what about grant he was talking you were talking before grant about your history and where you come from a money mindset and how you've changed over time what's grant's reading in regards to money and do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience too grant well i was just going to say for a yang earth Mm. their wealth element is actually water and what grant was saying from early on he actually put them the focus all on money the drive on career because money was the end result right or that was it wasn't about the you know physical emotional mental development it was all about the the development of that security because we look at money as security and i think that came down through the family where the security and having financial security was really really important particularly for my father and you know his his grandfather you know suffered through the depression and had nothing so it was very it was drilled into him and that which was subsequently drilled into me and that was a uh, and i put a mask on and i tell everyone that my health and my family were more important because without health and support of your family you can't make money the reality was i was 100 percent driven towards my career and i sacrificed everything else to make my career number one and it took me a long time to realize that i just didn't have balance in my life i was unhealthy i had struggle with my relationships with my family and, and had limited friends and that was because I was unbalanced and, and I was striving for something that I don't think you can ever get enough. So, yeah, you know, they say yeah. money doesn't make you happy, but it helps. Yeah, it does, 100%. But my experience and even, even looking at some of my clients that I've, that I've had over the years, some of the most wealthy clients were some of the most unhappy people 
individually that, I, that I've known. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, I just love talking to someone like Courtney who's got that different perspective on money mm. and you value other things. And wealth, that value of wealth has, has shifted for me to being more than just money. Can I interrupt yeah. here? Sorry, I just have to say, because remember in the five element theory and with the you know Chinese metaphysical sort of philosophy that the wealth element is also the wife element mm. for a man. Right. Okay. Well, so okay. your focus on wealth. Well, and career, I won the lottery there. <laughs> well, oh, you, you did. Talk so um, well about your wife. But, but you do. It. You actually. You may have put your career and and you know the physical attributes of making money back then. But now you actually put your wife first. She's your wealth element. She's your wealth. Well, it's I feel interesting. Wealthy. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think something else that would be an interesting point just to bring up here, and I'm just interested in how you would add to this, Courtney, is that in the past, obviously, like we are a capitalist society that is driven by money and, you know, the GDP, all that sort of stuff drives our economy and people and the way everyone works every day and often, to that extent, the way people are interacting, you know, in the marketplace, etc. I would feel lately with... Um, in inverted commas, the discussion of awakening and all that sort of realm of things that people are, as Grant said, he, he's changed his life a lot since he woke up around that, um, that a lot of society is doing the same. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that the perception that we have around money and wealth and abundance has many different connotations and the environment that you grew up in is going to influence that always. So if you grow up in a family where there's money available and abundance, then it's something that it's just a part of your world. If you grow up in the other end of the scale and there's attitudes around money where it's it's hard to get or it's evil or it makes you a bad person, you'll always struggle to attract wealth or you know you'll always have a challenged relationship with money i think that when we talk about people awakening and that shift in the relationship with money and work i'd like to perhaps suggest that instead of awakening we're actually remembering and okay yeah you know, remembering yeah. that if you work with purpose and do what you love, money and abundance is it's just, a byproduct. A, yeah, it's a byproduct. Yeah. And so when you say that your wife is your wealth, that's your relationships, your heart, your love. So the more energy you have in that space, the more energy you have to attract the energy of money and wealth. Mm. We are no longer, well, I think it's shifting, but we have been taught not to focus on relationship and nurture mm. we've been taught to focus on the capitalistic elements mm. and as a result health relationships community has suffered so yeah. the swing is is happening now what sort of suffering do you see that's taken place and what do you see as the way out of it well, the, we have we hear lots of stories of people who are hugely wealthy with, you know, mansions and cars and helicopters and, you know, all of these things, but they're very unhappy and, and they have no meaningful relationships. They're, they have poor health and, you know, a, a, a sense of lacking within. So the external trapping would say, yep, yeah, rich wealth, money, but inside there's, you know, poverty, spiritual poverty and, you know, lack of all the things that really count. And I think we sacrifice... Um, definitely health we sacrifice uh, the ability to empower other people to thrive when we put money as the primary focus in terms of business big business decisions community environment we have so many examples of business decisions being made at the expense of the environment 
and this brings up the element of competition everybody's a threat to me everybody's competing and i need to do what i can to win rather than everybody learning to thrive in the same space and that takes away competition and brings in collaboration and it's the vibrations Mm. that come from that and what i see is people use self-serving communication around money and they put other people down or put them in a position where um, they make them uncomfortable when it's just money yeah and they um in 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 trying to save a dollar here or save a dollar there and they want to drive a bargain you know, I can remember being put in a position as a young partner in an accounting practice when I had to go and negotiate a cheaper fee for some software that we were buying. Now, it was a pretty large acquisition that we did in those days, but I felt really uncomfortable mm. going and asking for a discount on a product that I thought was really good. Yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't resonate. And I, when I made the phone call... That's fascinating. I, yeah. I, I, and it's just something in you where you... Or just that feeling of making you feel icky. Mm. And yeah. when I was reading your book, Courtney, it actually I went back there Yeah. because I was put in a position where I couldn't actually communicate to the salesperson that I wanted a discount in price. I actually had to end the phone call as opposed to, you know, actually stopping and going, you know what, I don't feel right about this and standing up for that. Yeah. And so I was putting in a, in a position of compromise and I, was, and I compromised myself mm. by just going on with that role on rather than actually getting in touch as to how I truly felt yeah. and, and communicating from that position as well. Mm. And money in itself, a dollar coin or a $20 note is a benign object it it really has no power it's the attitude and energy around how Mm. it is used and it's the values behind the use of it so you know money is seen as you know good or bad but it's it's neither it's neutral it's the people who control it or what what they do with it so i think values comes into that and as you were saying you know um fire ying fire are all about money and that's a key driver in my observations yeah there's a real because fire controls metal so that metal element is the money element yeah and it's really interesting in my experience the whole attitude where you know i've heard from some yin fires i wake up in the morning and all i think about is money wow it's it's just quite interesting. It's interesting also in regards to what it symbolises for people. So, you know, as a single mum and someone who has the kids and when I have enough money in the bank account, oh, it makes me feel relaxed that I can pay for rates and all that sort of stuff, pay for the kids, makes us feel safe. Whereas for someone else, money could be completely different. They it might have power. They might have so many zeros in the bank account that when they get to that extra goal, you know, that drives their ego. Or, well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. When it comes down to it, it's power. Mm. When you've got that much money and you can have anything that you want – Maybe that's what it comes to. But does that make you happy? No, absolutely it doesn't make you happy. But maybe that's what I'll be happy when. And that's the the, uh, never-ending quest for external sources of validation. And and, gratification. This is what I think has created that imbalance and that we have stopped placing value on community, relationships, sharing, nurturing, all of those lovely things that used to happen in the olden days. And we have placed money at the top of the pyramid in terms of a symbol of stature, success and happiness. So it's out of balance, definitely. What do we have to pull down to get back to that place? And what are some of the virtues of a time gone past that you see as beneficial and where we should be and why? 
Well, I, I feel the first thing we would need to look at is the way that we judge around money and around, you know, people who have and have not. And we need to take away that negative connotation that money has. You know, there's a lot of sayings, money doesn't grow on trees or rich people are bad or, you know, all of these attitudes that are so ingrained and so hard to pick up. But once we stop judging everybody for what they have or don't have or what they do with it or their value that we place on it it takes away that that sting and it takes the connection out of it and I guess the virtues from the old times were about community knowing your neighbor helping each other I was going to mention that community and that connection which is so important because that's actually about helping each other and that takes away the the insulation of yourself and and the loneliness locking everything yes you know there's that trust you actually become more open and engaged with your community rather than keeping it all for yourself it's Mm. giving without attachment and just saying you're in need and i'm in a position to help and doing that without expecting anything in return and it, that also has these connotations of serving. When you're thinking, what can I do to be the best person I can be today? That might be, you know, giving way to somebody at the, you know, during traffic or, you know, a little gift of taking somebody uh, a freshly cooked meal or a bunch of flowers when you know they're unwell or, or all alone. It could just be smiling at somebody. That kind of service creates that energetic vibration that Grant was talking about that attracts more things that are true abundance not Mm. just money and creates that feeling of happiness and so then you're not saying when I have so many zeros I will be happy you feel happy and money is that happy side effect yeah Mm. and what you're discussing in terms of like the competition and keeping things to yourself and all, all of that sort of stuff we discuss in yoga as grasping and that grasping mentality where you hold everything to your chest attracts the same energy yeah well that's what we're told so and I've noticed at any sort of time in my life when I exercise the graspiness uh the uh, whatever you are trying to achieve becomes more and more elusive. I was going to say, what you try and grasp actually slips through your fingers. Yes. yes. And the resistance. Or you can't even get it in your, clo- yeah. your hands. But yeah. that, that creates um, an equal response. So when you're trying to drive somebody down to a, tr- a cheaper price in business and you're always looking for a bargain, that creates an energetic vibration that people yes. will come back to you looking for a bargain and a mm. discount. So your oh, thoughts gosh. about wow, I should get it cheaper and I should get a good deal, if that's what you should get, then that's what everybody else should get from you as well. So we should gladly go and prosper each other and not always be looking for the cheapest thing or you know, not always question why something costs so much. People create from their hearts they make things there's energy that goes into the manufacturing process and we want it for two dollars so that's about value and what you see as being important yeah there's a little story there i don't know whether i can share it because it might go on for a bit long but i'll try and put it in like really really simple terms i went to buy this barbecue from bunnings and i got the wrong one the packaging and was like okay i saw it for a certain price on the website thought great that's it went in there it was cheaper 
got away. It was a built-in one. It wasn't an actual barbecue. <laughs> and we're thinking, but it had the same. It was a palladium, right? It was a matador. I was thinking, so excited. Glenn what unpacks the whole bargain. thing. Yeah, it was a bargain. Unpacks the whole thing, right? Rips it apart, as you do when you're ripping it out of a box and then realises it's the wrong thing. He had to put it all back together. We were taping. It was just a nightmare. We go back to Bunnings. None in stock. The one that apparently was there in stock. So then we have to upgrade to get the bigger one, okay? And I wasn't really happy because the bigger one didn't have the, the wok burner. Like, I wanted to be able to cook outside, okay? This is a real metal class to learn, isn't it? I just have to say, because I, I did the bargaining thing and now I'm feeling guilty <laughs> because it was like, hang on a second, you advertised that you had this available and then you didn't have it available. I had to come back and then I had you to get a different in a one. I'd say, and that's no, why I you did it really calmly. But okay. the young, the poor young guy, I said, Well, I have to now get you know, like this hot plate. No, sorry, it wasn't the burn, it was actually a hot plate. I didn't want the grill, I wanted the hot plate. And I said, The one I wanted had the hot plate, and this one doesn't. And now I've got to actually buy a hot plate, so I think you should throw that in. <laughs> did he? Yes. Oh. But you see, he had to get approval from his boss. And by the way, when we went to actually buy this barbecue in the first place, there was nobody to be seen because they're all un- they're trying to make as much money out of having as little staff on the floor. That's another thing. So you couldn't find anybody. Even when I phoned, I couldn't get on to anybody for help. So when I went in there and I said, well, hang on. you." That's because too many people have been asking for discounts. No, that's not true. I wouldn't normally. It's just the whole inconvenience, the fact that the site wasn't updated, they are understaffed, and maybe this sends a message through. So, Mm. And I would do that. For the inconvenience, I would actually offer that discount for somebody else. It was a very small. It was only fifty dollars. It wasn't. Oh, like I, I was trying to get three hundred dollars off. Well, that's about being fair and about yeah. your experience. Yeah, there's that. a correlation yeah. between yeah. what you experienced and what you thought that was worth. Yeah. So I guess that you know you go to Bunnings, you know it's going to be a discount place, and it's not the experience that you might get at a family-owned store or a, a more. True, yeah. yeah well, I was store. going to go, but this, we don't have many. There's barbecues galore. There's not many places in Newcastle. That's true. The mum and pop experience is dwindling a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. So I, I really felt, and I did, I did a bit of research and I really felt and so. But, it's, inter- but mm. it's interesting. So you're basically talking about the business model and the commercialism mm. is driving the value. Yes. Yeah. And you just went and mirrored that value. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, I feel sorry for the young fellow because yeah. he had to deal with you, which <laughs> would have been sorry interesting. For him too. Yeah. No, but Glenn was sitting there just laughing. He leaves it all up to me, and I'm looking like the the cold hard negotiator. <laughs> but you talk about us getting back to family values, things like that. That's what we sort of want to drive towards. You know, I'm sure if Lisa had have had ex- an experience where someone was able to help her out, and she had an amazing result from that then she would be happy to pay whatever it's like yeah, when you sure go to an amazing restaurant and it's the best food you've ever eaten you never say yeah. anything about the bill right i yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah. and i did a job yeah. for courtney's parents yeah. because courtney's parents are clients of mine yeah and i actually call it the bob invoice yeah or, <laughs> so what what happens is that i did some work for him and yeah. they were on a, a, a fixed fee yeah and unless we tell you beforehand we won't charge you for work that we've done like that's the agreement. So that's part of the fixed fee arrangement. So I did some work for him, but I didn't let him know that it would cost extra on the fixed fee arrangement. 
So I sent him an invoice and he wrote, if you pay this, that'd be great. If you valued the work, if you don't value it, then feel free not to pay it and we will not follow you up for the invoice for payment. Okay. And he paid it. And ever since then, this is like 15 years ago, ever since then, I sent out the Bob invoice to a client <laughs> where I haven't told them in advance that they're going to pay for it. And we say, if you don't want to pay for it, that's fine. Tell me what the value, what value you. Wow, think that's, that's worth. very yogi. Then I get the choice as to whether they match my values or not. Oh wow! So there have been some clients that are taking advantage of that. So you've used it for qualification purposes for clients. Well, I don't. I, that's I don't, fascinating. I don't do yeah. that. But my, mm. it's when my staff say to me, "Oh, do you? What if they don't pay?" I say, "Well, it's money." That's a reflection of what their value is as to yeah. what our service is that we provide. And if we vo- provide good value mm. in what we did and the, and the charge is reasonable, I'm sure it'll get paid. It's the same as us. I require a payment up front for before we develop someone's brand. And if there's any conjecture around the payment, I think, oh, maybe not a good client mm. because I don't really have time to chase invoices. Well, lucky so. I paid you that day. <laughs> you always do. Well, <laughs> but yeah. The key word you said there is time, though, and, and yeah. having people pay a deposit or an upfront payment is about a commitment to your time because when you say yes to somebody, it means you have to say no to somebody else and you want to know that the people that you're working with are aligned in values, aligned in energy and are going to have a mutually respectful relationship. That creates better results and that is where you find you're then working in your joy it's a joy to work for that client it's a joy to Mm. show them what you've come up with it's a joy to share ideas and to workshop things so hey and have you guys noticed that we're discussing money but none of this is about money Mm -mm. totally it's It's about about the values associated with that yeah Yeah. Yeah. and respecting people Yeah. yeah So, you know, I, I'm and not, who you want in your life as well. Yeah. And mm. I'm, I'm not advocating for, you know, the go back to the old fashioned ways. What I'm saying is that if when we can get recentered with what's really meaningful to us, then all of the other things fall into place. Yes. And when you're doing things that you enjoy, it's not working and you're not trading an hour for a dollar. You're just living in your training. You're trading energy. It's just energy. The yeah. more energy you have, the more energy you attract. And if it, if that's good energy, if you have an abundance of positive energy, that will attract like a magnet that positive and energy. It's always to that exchange and of and energy. It, and if you focus yeah. on activities or, or doing things that uh, that generate that positive energy for yourself, in other words, you are comfortable. If you're operating outside of that and you're looking for validation off others, yep. you're not going to get that validation. No, you're going to fall short. Mm. So in, then, then that's a negative spiral. So as opposed to going, okay, I'm just going to sit with this, and I love how you talk about that in your book, Courtney, sit with it, feel your energy, and work out what's true to you. Yes. And then if you can operate from that place with love, respect, joy, gratitude, all those things, then you know you can have a happy life of abundance. Download your personalised lifestyle planning app today from the App Store and go with your Chi Flow. Chi Chart, the personalised lifestyle planning app. Courtney, can we go a little bit deeper there? Grant has just said about tuning into your intuition, so to speak, and you do a lot of work in this space. We've said that our core values and the way we show up is the way we'd like the world to show up to us. What if you are in that confused state of sort of trying to work out where you want to show up in life and you don't know what energy you want or your need reflected 
back to you. How do you tap into that space? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, these guys work in the energy space. Myself as well, being a yogi, we've done a lot of work in this area, but a lot of people haven't, mm. you know, and they're probably confused about it. I think so. And I think if you reflect on, you know, where you are now, you could probably recall a few times where things have been going really badly and what the feeling has been and the mental soundtrack that goes with that and, Mm. you know, the general state. And then conversely, you could think of some really good times and what the feelings were and what you were saying to yourself that inner dialogue. If you're looking to understand, you know, how to serve and what gives you passion, it is about thinking about if all the times in your life when you've had a really great experience, what have been the elements there? Has it been that you've been connecting with people or creating something with your hands or just working as, you know, service, just giving? And when you really understand what it is that lights you up, when you think about certain mm-hmm. things, you get that flush in your body and that's where your joy is. And then you say, I'm inviting ideas and opportunities to help me turn this joy into a service a business an opportunity to work more in this space so i think if you if you want to know what your passion is figure out you know what makes you cry what what do you get so excited about that it brings you to tears that's one way to so i I have to ask you then what was your and we might even call it an aha moment what was it what made you get into this area because it's a really with your corporate sort of experience and you know like you've, you've done a lot of things in your life how was I mean, what was really the catalyst, I guess, that brought you to working with energy, intuition? Um, yeah. I think we kind of touched on this before we got started and there was a period in my life where things were not going according to plan. <laughs> and everything What did that look yeah, like? Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah, so it, it wasn't pretty. Everything on the outside looked, you know, really like I had it together, but inside it was turmoil, there was anxiety, there was a lot of fear and nervousness and just insecurity. So it came to a point where I was, you know, in a pretty bad place and I realized I have to change something. Otherwise, things are just going to get worse. So, you know, I left my marriage and I moved back in with my parents. I was 34 years old and that to me was absolute failure. I, I That was the biggest crash that you could ever have because you plan your life you know you grow up you get a great job you get married you start a family you do all these things nice house nice car it's like the whiteboard of conditioning (laughs) you take everything up yeah so i was conforming to all of those pre uh, you know destined um criteria for my life but as soon as i did that as horrible as that was as hard as that was and it was not you know i never imagined how difficult it could be but I knew it was going to be the thing that changed my state I knew that that was the only answer and I started to find that calmness inside and the energy settled and I knew in my heart this is the right thing to do so it doesn't matter how many tears or glasses of red wine yeah. it got you know I had to go through to get yes. to that point but mm. I, I just knew it was all those cries where it comes from the the base of your gut and you're like oh yeah. Was it those sort that, of moments? Yeah, I had so many of them. talking to you. I know, yeah, 100%. So yeah. I think at that point I realised my body feels better, I feel better, I feel clearer and I'm starting to understand that there's opportunities and that there were lessons and that that was important. 
and I started working with the energy through Reiki and, you know, chakras and understanding all of that. Later on in life, as I've moved on um, working in government, I, I knew I was working in a space that was very energetically charged and some of that was not the highest vibration. But there were a lot of energy. blockages there too as far as energy goes. Lots of competing priorities mm. and lots mm. of people with different ideas, so lots of resistance and pushing yeah. up. And so I started to navigate my role um, from a place of how does this make me feel when I'm uh, moving towards a decision or influencing an outcome? Do I feel good about this? Yes, great. Do I feel bad about this? There's something wrong with it. It's it's disadvantaging somebody or it's not quite right. It needs more work. So I started to realize that all of that feeling stuff was just coming over into my everyday life without telling people. And uh, mm. that's kind of how it all started to happen. I've since evolved from there and just realized that everything is in the heart i believe that's the uh the gateway to the subconscious mind i believe it actually is the universe so the heart brain well they talk yeah. about we've got our heart brain and our gut brain, brain. Yep. yeah yeah and so decision making on a higher level when your heart is involved in decision making you are able to make the highest quality highest value decisions wow. for yourself and everybody else mm. how should we make decisions with our heart just feel into it. Just feel into yeah. it. It's it's about getting familiar with your body and, you know, there may be things that you need to tweak in your life to do that and that could be changing diet, changing environment, exercising. You'll know with yoga that helps you to understand your energy flow a bit more. It might be stopping watching the things on TV that create anxiety and all of these, you I know. I understand what you're talking about there, but, I, but I've got to ask you because I'm a bit confused. So we talk about the gut, okay, um, and your gut knowing what's right sometimes, mm. you know, and then you're talking about the heart decision. Is there not a conflict between that gut and that heart or are they so intrinsically linked you're talking about them being as one but it's the gut actually flowing up to the heart? Yeah, they're linked. It's definitely yeah. about that interpromotion and I guess it's easier for us to say it's a gut feeling than it's, it's a, a heart, heart feeling. feeling. Yeah. Okay, thank um, you. So, you know, in the gut, area within your auric body that's where your sacral chakra and solar plexus are and so your sacral chakra is about creativity and nurturing and building and growth and your solar plexus is about personal power and self-worth and value and how you respect other people and they respect you so it is all connected because through working your energy through your entire system when you then come to the heart to, I guess, give it one final screening, you know, is this is this the highest possible outcome you've been through all of the energy to understand that it is fully aligned with you and your purpose? Mm, interesting. It's a, it's a different way because, yeah, we do often, we talk about now where the brain actually resides in the gut. Yeah. But obviously that connection, you, you've just clarified that sort of gut-heart connection. But yes, it's easier for people to talk about the gut as opposed to the heart. And I guess uh, we've sort of been conditioned out of thinking with our gut, right? Because, you know, when we're in a business meeting or something, what do we do? We've got a decision to make. We get the whiteboard up and we go for the pros and the cons yep. and we write everything down with the logical brain, right? Yeah. And so... That sort of stuff might have been lost Absolutely. for a certain amount of time. Like you were yeah. talking about your dad and you feel like he's an engineer and you think that he is intuitive and so forth, but wrenching it out of him isn't the easiest task. 
No. He has these moments and I think, oh, you're spooky. But he, he's used to using his brain. I think that's an engineering thing. That's an Aquarian thing. And that's also the generation that he grew up in. Use your head. Think about your decisions. Advancements in technology. All of this uh, industrial progression was happening at a time that he was growing up. So he was very much trained to be in his brain. That was the measure of success. Absolutely. Yeah. The KPIs that we operate under for business historically. Yeah. Data. Data. Yeah, yeah, but there's been a huge shift in that as well. Yeah. In that even a recent experience that I had where I was talking to a business owner the other day and I, I well, what's your measure of having good culture or good HR department in your organisation? And if it's based on performance of the business and it's based on your data and you're forgetting all the soft benefits that you can get from having good culture and having people happy and, and the on-flow effect of that, yeah. then the HR department's missing the point. Yeah. So yeah. good culture will generate a better bottom line every time because the teams will work together as opposed to be working in against one another. So mm-hmm. teams will always achieve far more than what an individual will if they know what direction they're heading to, together with. Yeah. In other words, going towards a target, which they've all got agreement on. In other words, they've all touched base with their intuition and gone, yes, I agree, that's the driver or that's the goal that we want to achieve. As a team, instead of competing against each other. Yeah. yeah. And there are still some companies will actually set people against each other. Yeah. And those those companies experience high burnout and attrition rates of their staff and – you know, you, I'm sure if you went in there and talked to people by the water cooler, there, there would be some um, fairly interesting energy in terms of people's respect for the structure of the organisation and, and maybe even if they align with the values. A lot of people these days work in jobs that they don't actually care about, but it just pays the bills. Yeah. And that creates burnout and conflict. And, mm. you know, we talk about midlife crisis and I think sometimes that's the, you know, the heart, the gut, the energy body saying you've got to get back into line. And I think we also are a little bit constrained by our physical presence. It's just a vehicle. And so when we do talk about heart, gut and all of these things, it's all part of the same energy mass. So the whole body has to be just in that beautiful, blissful, vibrating space. <laughs> and I know, you know, we we are discussing this and you might be thinking, oh, my God, unipo- unicorns and rainbows and all the rest of it. I uh, come from a legal background as well. I did law and a lot of my friends, you know, when they talked about getting into these law firms, and I don't know if you were similar, Grant, when you were younger, but they would all talk about the same as you're discussing within the firm, you know, who was there like first in the morning? Yeah, it, My friend would say, oh my God, I, I know everyone thinks the Sydney Harbour Bridge is so beautiful. I, all I do is sit there and stare at it. I never like, get to leave this box. It's just like, and they're all clawing over each other to get the partnership and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. it, you know, it is very commonplace for a lot of people and that is their reality out there. So, you know, we're not saying it's just easy to fly off and be in tune with your gut and do everything when you are stuck in these paradigms which have been created by the society we live in right breaking out of it is not the easiest no and it's it's something that you have to make a decision there will be a point of awareness that says there's something more out there and you know everybody uh, who is on this path will know their their point in time and I think that as we start to have more of these awake people or people who are remembering, these are the people who will be making the decisions for us that change the structures so that our children will grow up in schools that understand permaculture principles and energetic mm. influence and hopefully metaphysical concepts and all of these things. So it will take time for this to totally evolve, but there's enough people in 
in positions of influence who are talking about this. So, mm. you know, it's not just some woo-woo, hippie, you know, weird, outer-edge kind of thing anymore. It does feel like a groundswell mm. and a definite shift. Yeah. But there's a shift away from the data measure as being the measure of performance as well. Yep. In that they're looking at the other True. KPIs, which are happiness and well-being and yeah. what attracts uh, what is the number one organisation to work for in Australia. Mm. And it's not driven on their bottom line. Mm. It's driven on the culture that they generate. Should be provide. driven on staff turnover, the lowest staff turnover. Yeah. Yes. You know, that would yeah. be really interesting to see which company actually mm. retained um, yeah. their staff the longest. Well, we've got a good example in Australia with Atlassian, who are a tech company, mm. yeah, a digital I used company. to work yeah. with Atlassian really? because I know <laughs> I've had so many jobs. Wow. But after law school, when I did a tiny bit of law and then I thought, no, my brother was involved in corporate executive recruitment, high-end recruitment. So I did that for a while and worked in the tech space. And yeah, some of these tech companies are very cool because they have people with amazing skills and they want to keep them and it's hard to find them. Mm. It's like hen's teeth. Yeah. And they're doing so many things for their teams, for their staff that traditional large organisations would not even think about providing share options, giving them extra days off outside of their leave and entitlements packages. The yeah. office spaces are just, you know, full of plants and beautiful spaces to be and they provide nutritious food for them in the in the staff areas there's so much support for the individuals to thrive and when they're thriving then they can apply themselves to the work that they're hired to do but ultimately also have passion and belief in would they invite somebody like you to actually talk about those intuitive values i really hope like so your- can we call them and say <laughs> yes. would you like well, to invite me to your office? well hashtag atlassian <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah interesting because somebody like you might be really well aligned with their values and i wouldn't be surprised if they're already across all of this stuff anyway and probably don't need me but i'll send them a copy of the book just in case but i think and you could that- say mel used to work there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and- i work for a company who yeah. put staff in there let our chi guide you Follow Chi Chart on Facebook and Instagram. Can you tell us a little bit about like some of your case studies and what it's looked like when you've arrived at a scenario and how you've tried to massage it to create different outcomes for the company and the people within it? Well, I think in some of the previous roles that I've had in government, there's definitely been lots of opportunities to approach things differently. And you have often these relationships that have existed for a very long time between stakeholder groups and there will be these legacy issues that people have dragged around with them for 10 or 20 years. and Like in know, a relationship, <laughs> when someone opens the filing cabinet, oh, this is you did all this. <laughs> there's always baggage. And so yes. um, in one particular role I walked into, there were significant challenges with the stakeholder groups that were part of the community and they had a long list of grievances about the way they had been treated by the organisation and I walked in there and said I'm not the past I'm not what happened we're here now to start again and I made the decision there and then to every time they would reference an event in the past to say that's fine but what are we doing today and Mm. how are we moving forward to help to shift them and reframe them out of the past and also with my colleagues not just angry stakeholders but also with the people who had in a sense created some of those issues as well and so I think being willing to let people air their grievances is fine but dwelling on it is counterproductive so I've always walked into challenging situations knowing that we can only do what we can do today 
moving towards tomorrow and everything that happened yesterday and before that is irrelevant because you can't you can't do anything about it so did you support the process as to what are you trying to achieve here so what's the what's the underlying message that you're sharing with me i get you've got an example but what would you like I think the underlying message really is that when you're working with people or you're working to achieve an outcome, that you should always go in with open energy and listen to what your heart's saying. Is the vent important that they're given the opportunity to vent like that? I think um, from a a psychology, a traditional Mm. psychology point of view, it absolutely is. Uh, You will always carry baggage if you haven't had a chance to totally let go of it. You need to be heard. Mm, Good point. And you need to feel that somebody is willing to listen and can understand why you carry that grievance, perhaps Mm. not the grievance itself, but understand why you might see it a certain way and wish to carry it, but then also be able to support you to say i don't need this anymore and to put it down yeah so it's to be heard and understood it's to be heard and understood in um, positive psychology we call it emptying the cup and so the first time you you meet with a client that session is purely for them to empty their cup and you keep saying what else what else so when i had someone come in and do it about my organization which they did and he was trained in nlp and we call it the holy shit zone, but all the shit was about me. <laughs> As the boss, it was, it was everything that I'd done for the last like four, three or four years. The and holy it was fantastic. shit zone, what a classic. <laughs> and, but you can look at that and you can, you can look at the person with that grievance and say what aspect of that complaint is familiar to that particular person's character because on a metaphysical level, we understand that everybody is just a projection of aspects of ourselves. Well, it's interesting because then it... Mm. It, 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 it developed not only into listening, identifying what the underlying issue was, them heard, understood, if I'm following your your line of thinking, but the skill of the facilitator then to go, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? And then get them on board with communicating what they'd like to achieve. Yeah. And then getting agreement. Yeah. And then, okay, setting values around that. So that was a whole process of setting values as to whether somebody truly showed up with the values that were basically set up by them. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, are we going to be respectful? And so he then redefined that because my initial interpretation of that was respectful of others, but he said firstly respectful of oneself. Yes. Yeah. So when you communicate something, what's the purpose of the statement? Are you respecting yourself and somebody else? Yeah, it's fascinating. And that was that was a great process to go through. Yeah, uh, and that's often you know where we fall down. You know that lack of respect for ourselves, often in relationships where it might not be the best setup that's mirrored back to us absolutely and values is not something that we are encouraged or taught to review or to understand so we learn our values we inherit them from a range of different places our family our friends our environment the media all of those kinds of things and we just drift along through life and then we think why does that work so well and that doesn't but when you understand values and how they motivate behavior at a deep deep subconscious level you can also decide is this working for me? Does it serve me? Can I let it go and replace it with something more useful? And that brings me to the five elements. Yes. So when you look at your flow in your chart, it can really point to what your values are. Absolutely. Mm. And what you value, depending mm. on, you know, what your day pillar is, what your what your stem is, and how that actual flow supports you. It's wow. really interesting. Should we talk a little bit about that, Courtney? Yeah. Because I really like your little model that you've got, your little diagram that you've got in your book, The Undercover Intuitive, and you've got it on page... Can you just give it to me? It's on page 20. So there's a lovely little diagram here, which Courtney's called the five pillars of the Ascension Leadership Model. 
when I was reading Courtney's book, straight away it struck me that all of these values that she has in this model all relate to the five elements. So you and I had a chat about that. So you've got intuition, you've got intention, values, activation and energy. And then I, and we discussed it and I said, oh, okay, so from where I'm sitting, I can see that the water element is definitely that intuition. And then the wood is the intention, you know, the metal, the values, because that's very much about integrity, the activation, well, fire activates, it burns, you know. And then, of course, it's, it's quite interchangeable, the energy of earth, but earth element also relates to the gut. So we're talking a lot about, you know, the gut heart connection. So I'd like you to talk more about those values associated with those five pillars, and then we'll kind of relate them back to the five elements. Well, the five pillars of the Ascension Leadership Model kind of just evolved and I never really set out to create anything that had so much structure because that's an engineering style of thinking that I didn't <laughs> inherit from my father. <laughs> but as I worked through, I guess, working with clients and trying to understand how to get the best results for people, it, it really became very clear that it had to be a holistic thing. So you can help somebody think differently, but if they don't know how to feel differently about those thoughts, then they're never going to get anywhere. You'll be spinning your wheels. Wow. Yeah. So the model is really built around that, helping people to understand what their body is saying. And that's the intuition side, getting that energetic alignment with where you're going and what you're doing intuition can be called many different things so it can be for some people very clear psychic experiences so clairvoyance clairaudience and and those uh, channelistics and spiritual side of things but everybody has intuition so we all have an inner knowing when it's a yes or a no your gut feeling or that's a bit spooky or, you know, you walk into a room, you could cut your the tension with a knife. That's your yeah. intuition. So your body is always trying to tell you something and everybody's process is unique and we'll figure that out as we, you know, tune into it a bit more. After you've kind of mastered that, you need to understand then if your intuition is talking to you, how does your thinking support those messages and your willingness to trust them and to believe in them? And that's where values really comes in because we learn how to think. And we learn how to think by the people who influence us the most. And that might not be the most empowering and uplifting way for us as individuals and the journey that we have come to express. And in that this thinking also, like the wood element, represents the mental health. Okay, so yang wood is very much related to that mental yeah. health. Yeah. So that's very interesting that you talk about how you've been raised with those values because that can negatively impact your mental health down the track. Absolutely. And also your thinking, your cognitive processes, a key driver of behaviour, that is how you structure your life. So if your values are always around putting money first no matter how much you love your family or want to go to the gym your first thought in the day is going to be how do i create more money so when we become yeah and so that you've had that moment of awareness where you've said this is not quite working for me Mm. and you've had that chance to review and to change those and so ironically enough i created that myself because i started to put family first so that was a conscious decision for you day after day because we know Creating those grooves, especially as we get older, these patterns of behaviour, that is so hard to change. So I was an I was an owner of a business and I walked in and I felt uncomfortable with the time of day going going even though I work long hours, like I work different hours. Yeah. So it wouldn't worry me to work at night because I'm a bit of a night person. And I'd walk in and I'd feel uncomfortable going into that office. Yeah. 
because I dropped my daughter off at school. Yeah. And that was really important to me. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that it was like an aha moment. I think it evolved over time mm. in that, you know, I think those relationships then become strained. Yeah. In those circumstances. Definitely. And you have to have the, the wits to say something has to change. I don't think I did, but <laughs> it certainly did change. But yeah. I don't know that it was a conscious. I think it was more a, a, a subconscious. You think that you moved with your gut brain almost well, unconsciously. I held true to what was important to me, and that was dropping my, school, my daughter off at school. Yeah. It was just one of those special times where I could be there for her Yeah, um, in that drop-off and walk her into the the play, playground and and it's and, such and a simple tell thing. I have a good day and that brought you joy yeah it didn't make you a thousand dollars no but it brought you joy and what's more important now thinking about that moment yeah and then it, whilst I love that feeling and I and I think back and go yeah that was worth a lot the more powerful feeling that I had was walking into the office and that was of uncomfortable yeah because I don't believe that I was truthful with myself. Yeah. So I think the reality was I wasn't being truthful with myself and I was being challenged on that. Mm. I was challenging myself in a roundabout way. Yeah. And, and and that's where, I guess, within the Ascension Leadership Model and everything in life, that's where we shift into focusing on energy and understanding that energy can be strong, but is it the type of energy that will support you is Mm. it strong negative energy that's going to bring you down and cause you to move into a negative state and make decisions that are not supportive or is it positive uplifting energy that causes you to be open and creative and connecting and expanding Mm. so energy but then when i had that shift and i had the most probably one of the most powerful experiences of energy surge through my body when that actually happened but the next three years of my life was fantastic yeah yeah so it was probably my my best three years in business that's amazing because you listened to that feeling Mm. and you made decisions based on that yeah well within this model energy is connected to the earth element and so that's all about transformation and transitioning and you know uh, earth nurtures everything so it's true you know when Mm. you're going through a period of change you require a lot of energy to do it and a lot of that earth element to go through that transition in a successful way. Well, there was a lot of energy to get this mountain to move, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Because I, th- I, 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 I was firmly attached to the career and the position that I had, and I think that was just my ego getting in the way. Yeah, well, that is your ego, but also maybe it had to do with, and this is intrinsically linked to ego, but where you derive your sense of self-worth. You know, a lot of people derive their sense of self-worth from I am an accountant. I am a radio announcer. Mm. You know, and I was if we just show up and say I am a person, well, I am happy. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes. When people say to you, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" They do, and it's conditioning from a young age. We ask yeah. people about their occupations yeah. when we go on a date with someone, or we meet that. them for the first time. We say, "What do you do?" Yeah, mm. and that defines someone. Mm. Yeah, and that's ego driven. That's conscious mind. The conscious yeah. mind needs the labels to be able to make sense of things. But our ego is not our enemy. It's just been allowed to think that it's the boss. Mm. And so okay. it's about cooperating with ego. And I think there's a lot of talk about release the ego and yes. the ego tame the ego. Yes, the mushroom retreats, all that yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. what what's your perspective on that? 
Well, the ego is there to help us survive primarily uh, from caveman times. It's a survival um, mechanism and it helps us to assess situations. But we live in a very different world. I mean, we're not threatened by saber-toothed tigers and dinosaurs and, you know, freezing to death anymore. We live in a very different world and the ego hasn't quite adapted to that it's still mm. driven by that primitive part of the brain okay so and that competitive sometimes nature too because yeah. you know it's the strong and the fight or survive. flight you get well, that fight or flight yeah. Yeah. like a response within your body and you can get it you know in the cafe after you get the wrong milk in your latte or something yeah. you know? <laughs> and you're saying that the body hasn't quite caught up yeah it hasn't adapted to soy milk <laughs> yeah, <then. laughs> yeah. But I think as well, it's safe. You know, everybody's operating out of ego pretty much. And so you can see that behavior demonstrated and you can mark yourself against that and say, I'm normal or I'm the same as everybody else. And within certain areas, I'll compete and try and be better than. That's definitely an ego thing. When you catch yourself thinking about decisions or career moves or whatever it is, sometimes you might be able to say to yourself, is that what I truly want or is that what the ego thinks is the best thing mm. for the external markers of success and ticking all the boxes? I think the more you talk to your ego and say, oh, hey, there you are. <laughs> Interesting thought. I could do that or I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chat Chi. Join our closed Facebook group for free engagement daily at Chi Chat. Well, I think we're going to move yeah. on to your chat, Courtney, yes. because it was really interesting. I listened to... Our previous chat with you, mm-hmm. and you were talking about how the sun just makes you feel so. And it's, a, a, you know, you can do a quick meditation just by getting out in the sunshine yeah. and how it energizes you. And at that time, I didn't have your birth date, so this time I actually have your birth date. You are indeed a Yin Fire person, and I would like to say an enlightened Yin Fire person who's not driven, or I won't say even driven, who has transcended that sort of attachment to money and you realize that you need to put things in place to make it of more value now so you can actually do the things that you'd like to do in life and have that freedom I suppose more than anything is that possibly a literal interpretation of the elements as opposed to when you talk about money are we just talking about wealth so Courtney is seeking that enlightenment and that wealth and of abundance well yes you could look at it that way you know some people may see it from the material Mm. abundance and then others may look at it more from the spiritual Mm. so maybe you you are attracted to that spiritual but it's in a different way yeah it's always been because it is actually metal did you know that like the meditation or the spiritual enlightenment can also be seen as the heaven energy yeah so that's quite interesting wow actually you've really thank you for that question grant because that really exactly that it makes more sense to me than i don't think i've been particularly motivated by money in the past but now i realize i need to learn how to use my tools more effectively and so that's probably where the focus has shifted is that being smarter about all the vibrations that are around me and how to use them uh, is definitely a focus and that's where you step into mastery and you can create Mm, okay well it's really interesting that you brought up age 34 where your relationship yes. broke down yep. and that really actually sent you into a bit of a tailspin and really kind of changed, I guess, the, your path, your flow, the choices that you yep. made. 
because that was the rival element at that time. Yang Fire came along. Mm-hmm. So when a rival element, if it's not, if you're not dominant, um, that can basically, um, it can be a challenging period. How does it show up as a challenge when it's a rival element? It could be anything, but because she's yin fire on her day stem, it could indicate issues in the relationship. And I haven't gone into the individual years, so there may have also been around that time an interaction with your house or spouse. I would say it would be most likely that that did happen. And prior to that, so this may have even, there may have been like a, I guess, a, a flow on effect from the period prior to that, which was from the age of 27 to 32. Right, so you you actually have an output chart. You've got a lot of earth in your chart, which means you're a very productive person. You you produce, okay? You you're always busy. There's always something that you might be doing, and it can indicate that you're quite a creative person mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? Yep, I would say I'm always doing something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've done a lot of education. I yes, I do like to learn things. I'm curious, and so that does lead to doing as well. Mm. Yep. So when you're um, when you, when you follow output, like for a woman, that can mean that you have a lot of children. And if you don't have a lot of children, it just means that you're very productive. You never mm-hmm. kind of stop. You're well, always, you write a book. Mm-hmm. You're, you're always... <laughs> That's it's basically a child. <laughs> you're, you're always, you know, you're, you're kind of setting yourself all, all these tasks to do. You, you're just a busy person. Yep. You're productive. Yep. And actually, if and I've said this many times in our chats, if an output person is not creating, they're destroying and it's usually themselves. Wow. Yeah. Okay, mm. so you tend to implode. It has to come out. Yeah. Did age. you feel like you were constrained during that period where you had the clash with the... With well, it wasn't a clash. It was actually like the rival, rival element. element. How did you feel during that time? Everything was in chaos. Wow. Yeah, I questioned absolutely everything about the life that I was living and what I Just not in. one minutia, no, the, whole the whole kit thing. and caboodle. Yeah. Wow. So, so what's so really interesting, okay, because you're predominantly output between the age of 27 to 32 just before you went into that chaos Mm -hmm. you actually had the snake with the horse and the goat form a seasonal fire combination that actually made you dominant yeah so in that period maybe career maybe all of those things you were driven you were feeling good you were just unstoppable and then you suddenly you know, got out of that period and you went into that rival luck and everything just came kind of, it was thrown into chaos because you weren't dominant anymore. Mm. You weren't suddenly in control. Mm. I was not in control. And so you also had in that period four in a row. So 27 to 32 would have been really successful, actually. Mm. Even from 22, you had... A, the friend element come along which gives a lot of intelligence your day pillar in itself is somebody who's self-made very intelligent it's a dictator pillar so mm. at times a lesser involved person could be prone to being let's say not very flexible mm. and there's also the potential for um, relationships that can go pear-shaped red light red light killing which means on its own in isolation you're okay, but if you met somebody else who also had one in their chart or had it on their day, it, it could be really 
really bad okay okay Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting i'm really quickly just reviewing my life from 21 (laughs) onwards i'm like what happened then where was i what was i doing well can i just ask we do talk about red light pillars a lot yeah and i have seen so much to actually really yeah prove it as to validate it yeah true Yeah. yeah um so between the age of 17 and 22 which is quite young it would appear as if you had a relationship there or quite an intense relationship yep did that end up being your spouse or did you meet yep. your spouse yeah okay yeah so not as early as 17 but during that time we, yeah yep. that five-year period and then not for a long time and then we got married years and years later yeah yeah that that would make perfect yeah. sense wow yeah what else have I And what do you here? see for the future for Courtney? So I've actually she's, given you a little she's, bit she's of a forecast. She's been busy here with output actually, because she's looking up something. <laughs> I'm looking for another First correlation job. with the model. So the yin Fi goat individual is sensual and seductive with a kind, caring and compassionate demeanour. Yeah, that's me. Highly <laughs> intelligent and extremely capable, they can achieve early success and a good reputation as they attract the approval of influential people. Mm-hmm. Appearing flexible and adaptable, they are, however, steadfast in their beliefs. Yeah. In unfavourable periods, the yin Fi goat finds it difficult to be honest with themselves and others. They conceal their feelings and undesirable behaviour. They may prefer instead to live in a fantasy world where they pretend everything is perfect. Before. Yeah, I've been there. There is also a tendency to attract the wrong types in their relationships, leading to further chaos and instability. Mm. I guess there would be evidence to say attracting the wrong types and chaos and instability. However, I have come to learn that life happens for you, and that's a, a fairly popular saying in the spiritual world, and everything had to happen for me to be having this conversation with you now so i it's very zen no i I agree with that actually i wouldn't be the person i am today yeah you know or wouldn't have the relationships that i have today if i hadn't been through what i had been through in the past and so i hesitate to look back on my life and look at mistakes or in unfavorable or whatever Mm. and i think that's a pretty drastic way to learn something about myself it's a teacher yeah. yeah yeah you just have to have those experiences to understand and to get back into a alignment so i think that that does resonate and also i love the goat thing because i love goats and i always say to my husband when we run away and buy a massive farm with goats and geese and he's like oh gosh he's so good well there you are that's your day pillow you're a yin fi goat that's why you know they resonate i love the fact that i'm a dog Ah. I'm an earth dog. Dogs. Yeah, okay. I love being the dirty dog. <laughs> so, for 2022, Courtney, the first half, actually, the power goes to you. So, the Yang Water actually combines. It's a very strong STEM partnership. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Yin Fire and Yang Water, they they pair up. Okay, and for a... Is that sort of like balance? Like, you'd normally think water with fire wouldn't be that great and... It's the whole yin and yang, you see, yeah. and they're the opposite. So the opposite. They're both yes, opposites. Exactly, mm. and and so that's why they partner up. So mm. basically, that gives you power. Okay, gives you balance. Excellent. So this could relate to a relationship or career success. Okay, obviously you're married, so you know, whew, might be things might be even hotter in that department. <laughs> Fire and um, water is steamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This, in the second yeah. half, you've got a clash, right? You've got the monkey on your month and the tiger which really exerts this influence in the second half of the year, clashes with that monkey. Now, that 
doesn't have to be a bad thing. That clash can actually mean um, potential, particularly career movement mm-hmm. change. It could also mean travel. It could mm-hmm. mean that you're going to move house. Mm. Okay. Otherwise, it can also, because that month pillar also relates to mum and dad. Mm-hmm. The stem is dad, so he's young metal. Mm-hmm. And then, which actually means your wealth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mum's also got wealth in there. Mum's monkey and... Um, and there will be that clash. So I would actually, with mum, suggest that if mum's not already going to the gym and looking after herself through diet and health and whatever, that she really gets onto that. Mm-hmm. And the combination between the tiger of the year in June, it'll kind of lessen the impact upheaval. There might be a little bit of, yeah, upheaval. Okay, but it could be good. As I'm saying, it could be moving house, it could be career... I'm thinking it's predicted transition around yes. that time. So I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about that. Bring it on, I'm, Yay. I'm saying. Yay! <laughs> um, you've also got in April two special stars, which is very auspicious. Excellent. Okay, I know Tiger, Bear and the Dragon. Yeah. 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 So for you, that means if you're going to really start that transition towards the second half, it might be a good time. April, to, yeah, yeah. There's lots of lots of things planned for April. Ooh, so yes, <laughs> that that sounds exciting. Thanks. Well, Courtney, um, you are officially a friend of the show now. Courtney Jones, thank you so much for joining us for Chi Chat. Thank you. I've had such a good time. <laughs> Thanks, Courtney. Like us? Give us a five-star energy rating wherever you listen. Chi Chat by Chi Chart.